Welcome to the crochet and what else? Crochet and uh, cross stitch podcast. That's what this is. Yes, <laughs> Dwayne McFarlane, your uh, sewing master, and I'm Matt Waldman, everyone's favorite grandma. Um, no, we're at the RSP cast. Thank you very much for listening as always. And we are at the point in this projection series that I think most people have been waiting for, which is the opportunity to profile two of the most exciting teams or offenses, at least in the NFL. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints. Um, so, you know, Dwayne, I mean, look, the team that wins this division with the offenses that they have and, and it's the Saints with their defense I mean, it's very possible that we're looking at the representative for the um, NFC in the Super Bowl here if these two teams can stay healthy and play to their ability. Yeah, I would say that, you know, the Saints have the expectation of that. And whether or not the rest of the Bucks players, you know, have got that mentality yet, well, we know Tom Brady does. <laughs> and that's what he wants to do. And we know that's what his coach wants to do. So uh, they'll they'll be quickly learning the ways, right, of Brady. So... Yeah, man, these are these are two teams that are loaded. Like, so if you're a fantasy, you know, player, uh, there's a ton of guys to dive into on each of these. If you're just an NFL, you know, fan, I mean, these are two great teams that you want to understand. You know what they're doing as well. So, you want to start with the Bucks or you want to start with the Saints? Let's do the Bucks because the Saint. We'll let the Saints be the favorite in this one, and so we'll let the Bucks like get the first crack at it here. And when you when you think about this team, I mean. That you know, you talked about Tom Brady, and Tom Brady comes in, and we know it's Bruce Arians' offense, but let's not kid ourselves. This is Tom Brady's way of running this offense, and so what that means is we're going to see more twelve personnel, two tight end sets. We're going to see more of um, variance with in terms of tempo and and volume, as well as changes at the line of scrimmage to the alignment. Um, based on what the defense is showing Tom Brady, um, he's going to have, he's going to be a coach on the field, you know, so you're going to get an opportunity to see a, um, a quarterback do a lot of advanced work, just like he did with the um, New England Patriots. So, you know, so when you add Rob Gronkowski to this equation, you get someone he's very familiar with. I covered the Buccaneers for football guys and their camp reports um, and what you've seen from the good folks like Scott Reynolds and John Ledyard and Jenna Lane over at ESPN and a variety of other people, Scott Smith, um, Greg Allman at The Athletic. Well, a lot of things that they talk about during practice is that, um, you know, Brady and Gronkowski showing pinpoint accuracy under pressure, pinpoint accuracy in tight windows, um, even in, you know, practice environments um, for, what, for what it's worth. A lot of 12 personnel, a lot of changing of formations and, and pre-snap reads, and the fact that Gronkowski's looking very healthy right now. No arm brace. Um, apparently running, uh, Arians says he's running like he was before all those back, the back injuries and back surgeries that he was dealing with kind of wore him down. Um, and that, you know, Arians kind of says that the that the time it took to probably recover from some of those surgeries, um, it was something that was always probably nagging him as he was playing year after year. So he's doing better at least at this point and looks like he's in peak athletic condition from his his best days in New England. O.J. Howard was the star training camp. And so 
you know, a lot of people may look at that and say, well, whatever, his ADP's in the toilet. But, you know, he's a guy that might be the most talented physical prospect at the tight end position. And people expected a lot out of him. And they feel like that he's really shown a lot right now. And there's still Cameron Brait, who's like, who's basically Mr. Reliable in the red zone too. But you're going to see a lot of two tight ends, some three tight end. Mike Evans has had a fantastic camp. Um, lost some weight, looks faster, quicker, catching everything in sight as he did last year, um, and has built up quite a rapport with Brady, at least on the practice field. Chris Godwin, who had arguably the better year, and he did have the better year fantasy-wise last year, you know, he's the most versatile receiver on their um, on their team. And he didn't have a stellar camp, but nobody said it was a bad camp. They just wondered if he was a little dinged up and that he had took a little time to establish rapport with Brady, but he made some really nice plays in camp. And then you have, you add Justin Watson and Scott Miller to the equation who are both slot receivers. One can play outside and Scott Miller, who's a speedster. And then you have Watson who's, you know, shown up a little faster. He was an intriguing prospect out of Penn. Um, you know, the only other person I know that came out of Penn was Jason Wood. Um, you know, so I would say that, you know, Justin, but Justin Watson was a guy who looked pretty good at the Senior Bowl, um, someone who had a lot of promise. And in year three, he's he looks stronger, faster, and he's basically their inside guy. They feel like they're going to rotate Watson and Miller. And then we have the vaunted running back situation, which I know we'll have fun getting into because I know that um, I've seen some of Dwayne's tweets, and he's basically like, you're blind if you don't realize that Ronald Jones is not, um, you know, that basically Ronald Jones isn't worth your time essentially i'm probably over i'm probably being a, a generalizing a bit but he's that, a little that's about that's about right okay yeah so he's <laughs> bearish he's bearish on ronald jones i would say i'm not exactly bullish anymore but i'm definitely not in the bearish mo- mode on him but there's reason that it could be because leonard fournette is certainly not a slouch despite the fact that he may not grade high um you know in terms of you know formats like Dwayne's, you know, Dwayne's current site where he works at, where they do grading, notwithstanding, um, there's some promise there with him. You got LaShawn McCoy, who's certainly a polished player, but maybe an aging one. Um, so it's an intriguing depth chart there. Um, and all that firepower, I mean, to me, what this says, Dwayne, is, and it's always been this way, when you have a lot of weapons, people get worried about, well, are there enough, you know, is there enough to be able to spread the ball around? When the real answer is often, if you have a great quarterback, and if you believe Tom Brady still is a great quarterback, then really you're just supplying with him with all the tools he needs to put up elite production. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you hit on a ton of you know great things there, and we'll we'll jump into Brady. The one thing I would say, you know, just about the Bucks at a high level, right? Last year, you know, their margin of victory was actually, even though um, they only won seven games, it was plus 0.6, right? So it's kind of hard to do that, to have a plus margin of victory, but still lose. So that just shows you some of the swings they have, right? They can win by a lot, and then they may lose by not a ton. And so they'll have these big games where, you know, they they can kind of coast, right, you know, to a victory. And then Jameis Winston would throw four picks, right, <laughs> in the next game. And it's just a real Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. The biggest thing last year was outside of Jameis's turn- turnovers, that was huge. 
But the other part was defense. Um, the defense really struggled in the secondary. So it'll be interesting, you know, to see if they take a step forward. They did start to play better last year down the stretch. Um, that defense over the last eight games was a much improved unit. And then they added in Dominican Sue, you know, this offseason. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But I think that's another thing, you know, obviously, you know, to watch. Obviously, first round they ever they added safety, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, so they they've added some things, you know, to the defense. I like that they added, you know, Tristan Wirfs on the offensive line, Matt, um, you know, especially with Brady coming in. I think the other thing with Brady, he's going to get rid of the ball, right, a lot quicker. And so there's going to be less sacks for the team. So just less negative plays overall. You're going to have less picks. You're going to have less sacks. You're going to have less, you know, QB strips, all those things that would really get them into trouble last year. Yet still, somehow their offense was good enough, you know, to stay in games. And so now you're, you're going to have a lot of those, you know, issues erased, you know, with Brady. And then you still get, you know, the upside, right, of being able to feed all these weapons, you know, with Brady. So, you know, as far as, you know, the team at a high level, Matt, you know, I've got them projected for 1,050 plays. That's my tied for my highest uh, on the board. Um, but if you just look at Tom Brady over the last, you can go back as far as you want, really. But it's 1,050 plays about per year with him under center. He he's a he's a guy that knows when to speed things up. He does know when to speed when to slow things down. But he he's got a, a real knack for understanding, you know, when to run, you know, the up tempo, you know, style of offense, especially if he thinks he's got a defense on the ropes, you know, with the personnel that he's got on the field. So expect, you know, the Bucks to run, you know, quite a few more plays than they did, you know, in the year before. Um what I would say about Brady is the big thing I think you hear, you know, you, you ask the question, you know, is Tom Brady, you know, still an elite quarterback? You know, I don't know that he's still, you know, an elite quarterback, but, you know, obviously skills are going to diminish, you know, when you're 43 years old. But what I will say is that he plays with anticipation and obviously he knows every his mind is, you know, his biggest weapon. And, you know, it always has been really. And so it still is. So where, where some guys, you know, depend less on that, and when the skills diminish, it becomes a real problem because now you can't fit a ball into a window that you thought you could before, and now it's a pick. Well, that's not an issue for Brady, and he's also the type of player that he adjusts, right? He's he's honest with himself, you know, about what throws he can still make, what throws he may not still still be able to make, and he's he's gonna he works around it. He finds a way to adapt. And so when I look at Brady, um, the biggest thing you know that I hear, you know, Matt is well, Brady can't you know throw the deep ball, and I think it goes back to what you said a minute ago as well. Arians offense typically is going to push the ball down the field, you know, historically speaking, you know, it's all, it's, it's an average depth of target of nine to 10 yards um, on these teams. What I think we see in this offense is more of a happy medium, right? It won't be the six and a half, seven yards, but I don't think it's obviously won't be the nine to 10, but I think you're going to see that sweet spot in the middle where these two guys come together and, and based on the talent that they have, you know, where Brady will probably have an average depth of target of around eight, you know, this year. And I think he's going to do really well with that. Um, if you look at him last year, you know, Matt, and 20-plus yard throws, he was 11.5% above the NFL average, despite, you know, not you know not having an arm anymore. You know, again, he wins in different ways than just sitting back there waiting, waiting, waiting. Oh, now I'm going to chunk it. You know, he gets he – gets, even when he's throwing deep, he gets the ball out, you know, quick. So, you know, as far as Brady goes, when you look at, you know, the other – the other important things that I would say, you know, his accuracy, his pinpoint accuracy is what you would call it, Matt, ranked three out of 35. His accuracy, where it's just within the frame, 10 out of 35. 
his uh, catchable inaccuracy. So passes where his receivers would have bailed him out, you know, probably wasn't really a catchable ball, but they adjusted and made the catch. Well, he was fourth out of 35, so which is a good thing. The lower number is better. So his 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 receivers didn't have to adjust to those types of things. So, I mean, he's really I, – I don't, I don't see, you know, any reason to think that Tom Brady, you know, is going to struggle. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I totally agree with all of that because really it's not Tom Brady's arm that we should have been worried about last year. Um, it's the offensive line that he had. It's the receivers that he had. It's the constant mistakes that the receivers made, not being in the right place at the right time, having rookies who couldn't separate, having veterans who didn't know the right play, having um, you know Josh Gordon traded um, and not being healthy um, was another addition to that. Not having Rob Gronkowski anymore. Um, you know, you add all that up, and you know, listen. I mean, you. It doesn't matter how good of a quarterback you are. If you're a pocket quarterback who who's, who thrives off anticipation, reading the field, making great decisions, then you need the talent around you even more so than than other quarterbacks who also need it, you know, in order to elevate their games. But, you know, to me, Tom Brady is still, like you said, an elite decision maker. He's still an elite pocket player in terms of his ability to move around away from pressure and and do it efficiently so that he can find the open man and he's gonna you know he has all the tools to work with now in order to make that happen and because they're going to work a lot from 12 personnel and they have the makings and potential of what i think is a solid running game at the very least um he's not gonna i don't think he's going to be dealing with as much pressure um, he's also going to be dealing with receivers who are going to be on the same page with him more likely than the less experienced or less skilled options that he had before, which I think accounts for probably some of the lower numbers you might have seen in terms of his production overall in recent years because he really, you know, outside of Julian Edelman, that was basically what he had, you know, if you ask me. So J- J- Julian Edelman and James White, you, you know, and you can say, you know, James White is a is essentially a wide receiver too. But if James White is your wide receiver too, your offense is not very good. And and that's no slight to James White. It's just a slight to the fact that you don't want your running back to be the number two option unless he's Marshall Falk. And James White ain't no Marshall Falk. That's all I can say on that topic. So, you know, when you when so when you think about Brady as a whole, I mean, I'm with you. I have them at 1,040 plays. Um, in terms of overall, and I have Brady getting 633 attempts. So we're looking at a 60.8% pass to 39.2% pass to run ratio in terms of what I'm looking at projecting. And then 417 completions, a 65.9% completion rate. I've met just under 5,000 yards, 49.79, averaging 7.87 yards per attempt. So I know that you talked about they're going to find that happy medium waiting in the middle and I think they will but if I'm gonna if if the middle's here you know I'm gonna I'm gonna veer it a little bit more towards that high side because Chris Godwin is absolutely a monster on contested catches and no I didn't misidentify the player no I didn't say I don't say I meant Mike Evans we know Mike Evans can do that Chris Godwin is an absolute monster on contested catches and I think he's actually a better contested catch player on film than Mike Evans is. And he's a better player off of press 
than Mike Evans has been. Evans has gotten better, and he probably had a very strong year last year, but Godwin was better even like two years ago, even earlier in his career. Um, so you have those two guys. Then you have this, you have, you know, O.J. Howard and Rob Gronkowski, who can play outside. You can play either one of them outside. You can put both of them outside in their mismatches against cornerbacks and safeties, even playing outside, which means just God help you if you're a safety facing Godwin or Mike Evans in the middle of the field. You know, they're going to throw plenty of screen passes. Yes, Godwin's going to catch his share. You know, you're going to get that. But those guys right there, it's just, it's going to be unbelievable. I would not be surprised at all, and we'll talk about this in a minute, if O.J. Howard and Rob Gronkowski combined for 1,300 total yards and, and 15 touchdowns. I think that that sounds like a bold prediction. I'm actually going to put that in a bold predictions article, but that's what I've projected for them pretty much all summer. And it's like nothing I've read is saying to me, well, I need to be careful about how much they're really going to use these tight ends here. Yeah, Rob Gronkowski could get hurt. Yes. OJ Howard could turn out to be a pumpkin once again, you know, and instead of being, you know, in some of the glass fitter, sweater, uh, slipper actually working out here. But. You know, when you look at Brady, 4,979 yards, 7.87 yards per attempt, 38 touchdowns. I have him at 6% um, of his touchdowns per attempt. Um, 10 interceptions, 1.6% um, of, of those per attempt. And then, you know, being the, the track star that he is and that he's like going to give Journey Brown pointers at Penn State, you know, about how to run the football. I have him at 25 attempts for 17 yards um, and no touchdowns on the ground. But that still puts... Oh, come on, Matt. you got to give him one hurry-up quarterback sneak touchdown. I mean, I, it's Tom Brady. I probably... You know, he gets him down to the line and he just looks. He's like, oh, they're they're subbing. They're, you know, they're trying to sub. And he'll run hurry-up and he just sneaks it. That's true. I, like, he I, does that every year. you got to give him at least one. I probably do. But then if I do that, let's see where does that put Tom... See then well, don't worry about I can that. still do that. I know, I'm just being cute here. and funny about it. But like actually I have Tom number four on my quarterback list for, for fantasy quarterbacks. And you know what? Even if I was trying to be cute about it and say or was serious about that whole thing I was trying to be funny about, even if I added that <laughs> touchdown, he'd still be fourth because I have him about um eight points behind Deshaun Watson. Um and he'd be um basically almost almost two points behind Deshaun Watson at that point. Either way, I think he's a he's he's close enough to being a top three quarterback this year. And even though it's the first year and the adjustments and all of that, um, you know, people only remember the previous year. They like to go by just sometimes they like to go by the numbers without the context because, you know, you know, or was it this way? Yeah, this way. Context matters. So, you know, if you do, if you know it matters, then you know that Tom Brady is in for a big year, even if it's not going to be a Peyton Manning-like year in Denver. Um, I think the potential for that is strong maybe in 2021 when we hopefully have this pandemic kind of more under control um, and we don't have all the uncertainty that we're going to deal with within this season. So what say you about Tom Brady? Yeah, I've got Brady at 620 attempts, so just barely under what you have i've got them at, at 59 percent pass 41 percent um run and so i've got them at 300 or sorry uh, 620 attempts 64 percent completion rate 600 uh, 396 completions 7.5 yards per attempt 4646 yards i've got 33 passing touchdowns with nine interceptions 
And then I'm similar to you. I've got uh, 25 rushing attempts for uh, 31 yards. You know, I gave oh, him one look at you, optimism. There we go. Yeah, and I gave him a rushing touchdown, which, which you know, I mean, puts him at 316 fantasy points. And so basically, the way, you know, I've got him tiered. You know, I've got him. You know, below. You know, you know Russell Wilson and some of these other guys, but I clearly have him as you know he's a guy that will it surprise me that if he finishes in the top five finishes in the top three absolutely not and he's been one of my biggest targets uh in fantasy drafts this summer just because everybody's been letting him slide i can't tell you how many times i've got him you know in the 11th 12th 13th round you know for free him and the guy we're about to talk about next drew Brees. you know i probably together own more than i do most other quarterbacks maybe outside of stafford who also slides but those guys have just been you know sitting there so yeah i love brady um and i think you know if you if you still have any drafts left, you know, he can be a key, you know, as far as being able to wait at the quarterback position. Now you gotta know your league. You know, if you're in a homer league, you know, Tom Brady's gonna go sooner rather than later. Yeah. But I like your taste in quarterbacks this year. Um, you know, those three you covered, awesome choices. And, you know, when it comes to who he's gonna be throwing to, we talked about Mike I talked about Mike Evans earlier, but when you think about this offense, I think he is going to be the field stretcher in this offense. I mean, with no, it's pretty obvious. I think everyone pretty much expects that. Um, and he is going to, I think he's going to get some inside looks that are going to create some absolute crazy mismatches um, or get him singled up. Brady's going to figure out ways to, to really maximize what Evans does. So would it surprise me if Evans goes back, to, you know, returns to having a yards per catch average that's similar to what he's done with famous Jameis? Very possible. Um, but I'm not putting him quite there. So I have him at 140 targets. I have him at 86 catches for 1,255 yards at 14.59 yards per catch. So close, but not quite at those levels with Jameis. And I have him at nine touchdowns. Um, you know, easily a top 10 receiver for me. Um, and, you know, if you argue that he will be the most productive receiver of the of the group, including the tight ends, I wouldn't disagree with you. But I like Chris Godwin. I know he didn't have a great camp, but, you know, A.J. Brown didn't have a great camp last year. Odell Beckham didn't have a great camp. I hear every year about players who didn't have a great camp, and sometimes you just kind of ignore that noise uh, enough to go, you know, and it's not always noise, but you ignore some of it to realize that I think they'll be okay. So I think with Chris Godwin, he probably had some sort of minor injury or maybe some sort of personal thing going on. And we'll find out probably by this time next year what happened because that's usually what happens as they wait they wait to disseminate the information later if they need to make an excuse about it or you know, or just kind of give more context. But Godwin, I have him leading the, the, the team with 160 targets for 100 receptions, 1,300 yards for 13 yards per catch and nine touchdowns splitting the load there because he's a guy that you can throw the fade to you can throw the quick slant to you can use in the screen game and they've and bruce arians talked about we're going to continue to use him in the screen game um heavily he was one of the leaders in terms of you know being able to make you know you'll probably talk about this in terms of his ability or how he was targeted and, and the ways that he was targeted that often made him gave him a lot of favorable matchups. And I think that's only going to continue with a, an even um, sharper, more experienced quarterback in Tom Brady. And then when it comes to, you know, the uh, the rest of the receivers, though Justin Watson and Scott Miller both will probably split time. And it sounds that way from the language that I read into from the interviews with Arians week after week after week. 
Miller, you know, Miller's more the speed guy will be played outside, though they like using him as a blocker from the slot in the run game. They really like his blocking from there. So don't be surprised if you... I'm going to pay attention to this, um, you know, in the early weeks, but don't be surprised if Scott Miller, when he's in the slot, they run the ball, and when he's outside, they throw the ball um, because they're trying to match him up on the outside to throw. Um, so I have Miller at 34 targets, 22 receptions, 250 yards and a touchdown, um, 11.36 yards per catch. I think that's a little low. He could also be one of those guys that he ends up actually having 34 targets for 12 receptions for 12 for 250 yards, and and it's just and it's more like you know big throws down the field. And he just has a lower completion percentage, um, and then maybe he has two touchdowns and averages you know. Um, you know, wave, you know, 15, 17, 18 yards per catch. Justin Watson, I have him at 19 targets for eight receptions for 80 yards, 10 yards per catch. So for all this hullabaloo of how good he was, I just don't think he's going to get targeted a lot unless Chris Evan, Chris Godwin get hurt, gets hurt. Um, you know, then I'm just going to jump into the tight ends because, I mean, why not? So yeah. with the tight ends, O.J. Howard, talk of camp, how good he was. Um, you know, red zone connection with Tom Brady, just pretty much daily, um, getting much more separation, doing a lot better against press coverage, um, being where he's supposed to be, taking pointers from Rob Gronkowski. You know, everything sounds good. I remember watching him at Alabama, remember seeing him at the Senior Bowl, seemed a little careless, seemed a little absent-minded, didn't always have the focus, seemed to make um, mistakes on easy plays that he should have made, um, but immensely talented. Um, so this is the year for him. If there's a year that, that he could elevate his career back to the trajectory that people expected, this is it. And I think it'll happen. Um, it'll be the start, at least. I have him at 60 targets. 40 receptions for 489 yards, averaging 12.2 yards per attempt. And that may seem like um, a, a high number for a tight end, but remember, they're going to use these guys as receivers in the mismatches that they use. I have them for eight touchdowns. Um, then uh, Rob Gronkowski, I have him at 80 targets, 60 catches, 798 yards for 13.3 yards per catch. Um, and I also have eight touchdowns for Rob Gronkowski. So you can see the, the it's a very even this distribution. Like, this, is like a, this is like Oprah, right? Eight touchdowns for you. Yes. Eight touchdowns like a new car for everybody. Exactly. You know, that's it. <laughs> if I could imitate Oprah, I would. But I had to go with the cross-stitch and crocheting theme so because I, I can't do that trill and it annoys the ever-loving shit out of me. Um, you know, as much as I admire things about her when she... When she when I've seen her on TV and she does that trill, I just want to lose my. It's like grading. Um, so anyway, um, Anthony Anthony Auclair, I'm not. I don't have. I have a few receptions for him. Cameron Brait, though, is kind of interesting, and he's a guy that maybe you you're not going to be. You're not even going to remotely think about drafting, but he should be on your waiver wire speed dial if one of these other options gets hurt because he could be a top ten. He might even be a top five tight end in this fantasy year if one of these other two guys gets hurt because he's so darn reliable in the red zone. I have him at 32 targets, 21 catches, 179 yards for one touchdown, but he's Mr. Hidden Upside in this offense and could easily have 50 to 60 catches in this, I'd say probably more like 50 catches, somewhere between, you know, 450 to 600 yards and somewhere between five to seven touchdowns. Easy if 
somebody gets hurt early and can't come back, Rob Kronkowski, or someone falters really quickly and they just lose their mind because they had a great training camp and then decided to lose their focus and something else, O.J. Howard. So that's what I have for the receiving core. Dwayne, anything, you know, I'd love to hear, I can't wait to hear what you have with these guys and, and if you have anything different as well with this. Yeah, just a couple, you know, quick things and I'll jump into, you know, where I have them. What was interesting last year, you know, about the Bucks, you know, offense, and you talked about it a little bit with Godwin and the mismatches, pretty much like when they played teams that, you know, really ran heavy zone, you know, type coverages, typically Godwin was the guy for the week. And then if you ran against a team that ran a lot of man, you know, it was Mike Evans that was the guy for the week. Now you do have, you know, teams that, you know, run hybrids or they run a lot of both, you know, and in those weeks, you know, you would see them, you know, come more together. So like, for example, if you look at their yards per route ran, um, you know, Chris Godwin was a 1.29 versus man where Mike Evans was a 2.93. But then if you look at yards per route ran versus zone, Godwin jumps up to a 2.84. Mike Evans is at a 2.25. Um, you know, so it's just, it's, it's, that's how they did things last year. It'll be interesting, you know, things probably, you know, change a little bit, but I think still a lot of that's the same. And so the point you made, you know, they, they get Chris Godwin, you know, they move him inside and, and yeah, they won't be running 11 as much, but I think they can still, I think they can still, um, you know, get him into those matchups running, you know, he can, he can basically come in and they can, they can line up three, you know, guys to the right, right. It could be two tight ends plus Godwin. He's the guy that's offset. And then he works inside across the middle of the field. He gets a free release. So I think they will be creative and you've even heard Arian say it, right. He's like, yeah, look, great. We're, he may not play in the slot as much, but we're still going to get him a lot of great looks, you know, that are going to be similar, you know, schematically. So from, you know, a standpoint of where I've got, you know, the team right now, I have Godwin as the leading receiver at 22% of the targets. That's 136 for 92 receptions, 12 and a half catches, 1,150 yards, eight touchdowns, Matt. <laughs> Mike Evans, I have at 21% of the uh, targets. So that's 130, 75 receptions, a little bit lower catch rate because he's going to work downfield a little bit more. Um, I'm still good with the yards, you know, per catch. You know, I still look back at like even Brandon Cooks or some of the guys Brady's recently had, you know, he's still been able to get those yard per catch, you know, numbers up. So I've got him at a 16. So that's 1,197 yards, also eight touchdowns. So I've got those guys right there, you know, neck and neck. Uh, it's 1A, 1B type of situation. And then I've got Gronk as the third leading receiver on the team with 15% of targets. That's 93 targets, 60 receptions, 720 yards, and six and a half touchdowns. And then I have Howard at 11%, which is 68 targets, 43 receptions, 12 yards per catch, just like you, 511 yards. And I also have him at four touchdowns. So I don't quite have the tight ends as high, you know, as you do, but I wouldn't doubt, right, to see them right there. Uh, the next guy I have is Scotty Miller, and I do have him working downfield more. I've got him at uh, 15 yards per catch with 50 targets, uh, 28 receptions, which gives him 427 yards, and I've got him at three touchdowns, which it could easily be four or five. You know, he could really hit some big plays. He and Brady, to your point, seem to be having, like, a fantastic camp together. The two guys you've heard about the, no the most with Brady, like, have, have been, honestly, O.J. Howard and Scott Scott Miller. Like, that's what you hear about almost every single day. Now, obviously, you know, he's going to get balls to these other guys. You know, you've got a lot of good talent, you know, on the offense. But for me, you know, Matt, it's – and would it surprise me, any one of these guys could end up with more targets than what we have, and one of the other guys could be at a little bit less because Brady is a guy that's smart enough that whatever they're trying to take away, 
he's going to take the other thing, you know, and he's going to, and he's going to excel at doing that. And the way that this offense is designed is the next best thing. It ain't no check down to a running back in the flat. It's another dude, you know, 10, 11 yards downfield. So I, I really see it as being a, you know, it's, it's, it's a perfectly balanced, you know, passing game. You know, it's, it's really hard to take away all of these weapons. In fact, there's, it's not possible. You can't take them all away. What I really like about them, Matt, is if you come up against a team that's really stacked at cornerback, say like a Ravens or somebody like that, and you have these two tight ends in the middle, you present this whole new different problem because guess what? You still have wideouts on the outside. So those, those cornerbacks still have to cover that. But then now it's, okay, let's see what your safeties are like. Let's see, let's see how your linebackers are. Let's see how the young, you know, Patrick Queen is, right, and covers that kind of thing. They can just do a lot of different things, and you know, you know Tom Brady is going to be – he's the best guy in the league to be unlocking all those things. So I'm super excited about it. I do not have the backs as involved as a historical Brady offense. And if you look back further, back to the days when he had Welker and, you know, the tight ends, and even when he had Moss, they threw to the running back some, but it wasn't like what we've seen over the last several years where it's to your point. They just didn't have anybody. So James White was the second or third best target on the team, so the backs were targeted a lot more. So for my running backs, I've only got 5% to Fournette, 3% to Ronald Jones, and 8% of targets to, to LaShawn McCoy. We can go through their yardage and everything when we when we dive deeper into the running backs, but I just thought I would toss that to you. How do how do you see the backs, you know, shaking out in the pass game? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question, and certainly I think it's a terrific observation. And one of the things that I wanted to do though, and I and I'm glad that this is happening right now. You can't see it on camera, but I we're gonna take a, a quick break because I want to know about Dwayne's son's first fantasy draft. So can you give us can you give us what's going on with the results? Because yeah, I know you've been yeah, monitoring just, him. He just sent me a screenshot, so I sent him the tears. And yes, this is his first draft. He had the number one pick. So he got Christian McCaffrey, and then he got Joe Mixon in the second round, and then he got Miles Sanders in the third. So that was his first three picks. I was like, wow. yeah, you're off to a great start. You got three backs. <laughs> then he comes back, Mike, and he gets Mike Evans, who you were just talking about, and he gets A.J. Brown. He's got C.D. Lamb, Will Fuller, and Jamison Crowder at receiver. He's got Darren Waller at tight end, and his quarterbacks are Josh Allen, and he took Carson Wentz. I told him don't take a backup quarterback, but he didn't listen, so whatever. There you I go. I told him to take another player. But apparently right now looking at his board, J.K. Dobbins is somehow still available, so I'm going to have to text him. Well, see, that's great. So as you can see here, <laughs> you know these must be all freshmen or it's just college in general. Um, and maybe you know a as a result of that, I'm sure most of our listeners who are probably also have sons and daughters of college age or above, I know a lot of them probably do, are like, man, it would be nice to know what we know now and be back in college playing in the college league right now. Um, but I, I want, I'm trying to get invited, but they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that was probably. Matt, that's going to be my goal next year. It's a 10-man league. We'll get them to expand to 12, and they'll, we'll, they'll bring you and I in. We'll do a live show. <laughs> Yeah, but the but most likely we'll probably wind up yeah. Then they'll then they'll they'll try and figure out a way to counter there, like you know, you know, make sure that we drink enough so that we don't make good decisions, you know, or something else. But um, but hey, anyway, running backs, and this is the interesting part of this because um, you know, to set this up, you had Ronald Jones, you had Peyton Barber last year, you had Dare Ogunbowale, Dare Ogunbowale. And, you know, 
basically the way this was set up is Ronald Jones was the high round draft pick out of USC. Terrific speed to burn, at least what it looked like on the field. Terrific acceleration, kind of more of a scat back type. Came into the league, really was tentative between the tackles, had difficulty making decisions, got stuffed a lot in the backfield, seemed completely lost with his assignments in terms of the receiving game, um, dropping footballs, not being where he's supposed to be. And as a result of that, he basically lost his confidence and went into a hole. And pretty much everyone was like, you're a bust, you're no good. They kind of did a reset with him. He added some muscle over the offseason, had his confidence kind of pumped up. Peyton Barber, certainly an RSP favorite in terms of a guy who is a smart running back. Not a particularly physically gifted running back, but, you know, good enough. Ronald Jones beat him out. People are like, whatever, it's Peyton Barber. Um, But as the season went on, you saw a guy who was literally finding his way. And, And I would say finding his way was more of a complimentary side of that term than the one that oftentimes is the the more um, insulting one because you saw him go from being a guy who knew where the creases were at least now and he'd hit them in a straight line and he'd get downfield and he'd break tackles and looking at like a tackles broken metric and I don't have the number on me but I was looking at this from my own um, my own column the gut check at football guys this summer he had one of the the lowest rates in terms of number of attempts needed to break a tackle. Um, And so he was really among the top players in that regard. And so he was decisive. He was being able to run through reaches and wraps in the first two levels and really push a pile or be able to carry guys down the field. So that was nice. Um, And then as the season even got further down the line, You started to see him do things that I had not seen him do well before as a pro, which was being able to avoid penetration, make the necessary jump, stop, or cut, or open his hips and efficiently bounce the play or cut it back to a different crease and get a little more creative and do it effectively, which was really encouraging. So he comes into this season and they're like, we love what you're doing in terms of the receiving game. You've, it looks like you've improved. This was week one of training camp. You know, it looks like he's improved his receiving, really worked on his hands. We're excited about that. Tom Brady comes in, probably excited about Ronald Jones and what he sees, starts giving Ronald Jones advice. Okay, this is, you know, these are things, these are things you need to keep an eye on and do. And one of the things they talked about was, running more out of a crouch with your route so that you were basically running the route as if you're running the football. All right. Next couple of weeks, Ronald Jones starts dropping balls left and right. And in camp, he's like, hand. people are like, he's got hands of stone. The running back coach is like, it's the same problems he had in the past, which is that the ball he lets the ball get on him too soon and he's overthinking and he's not using the right technique. And then he ends up dropping the ball because he doesn't have his hands in the right position. Um, I have a theory about that and what it is is that Tom Brady meant well and then Tom Brady pumped him full of information and this is Ronald Jones we're talking about who was like we were kind of Bill Murray baby stepping him into the position of becoming a really good back um, in every aspect of the game and and I think the expectation could should be with him is that he was good enough to start I think he's good enough to be the lead back Maybe not be a star player, but I think that could convert in this offense to top 15 production 
before Leonard Fournette came in. But they didn't. But the big question was the passing game and the receiving, um, pass protection and receiving. They brought in LaShawn McCoy. McCoy essentially, you know, also was dropping balls in practice. Um, and they feel like that, you know, Bruce Arians pretty much said after the first week of practice, second week of practice, these other guys are here to find a role when Ronald Jones gets tired. When you say that your other guys are going to find a role um, when your other back gets tired, that that's pretty much seems to me like you're saying Ronald Jones is not only our lead committee back, he, he may be our bell cow back or closer to that range of that. But, you know, entered Leonard Fournette, um, and certainly Fournette gets a lot of... Um, gets a lot of criticism for his game. Um, and from a simplistic fantasy take, you can say he's a bad running back from a fantasy term standpoint. Um, but I would say as a football player, he's a he's a very good player in the way that DK Metcalf is a very good receiver, which is that you put him in his lane, you tell you have specific duties you want that player to have, and those things that he does, he does really well. Now, the thing about that is people would say, well, the Jaguars offense, and Dwayne will probably break out, could probably break out some of the stats and they'll probably say, Leonard Fournette, well, wasn't all that pretty in terms of some of the data that we have on Leonard Fournette. But you also have a Jacksonville offensive line that wasn't great, a, receive, a defense that wasn't great, game scripts that weren't great. And on top of that, when you run gap plays, there's only one crease most of the time. So it's easier for defenses to foil. If you have to marshal all your resources to one thing and it fails, your running back's screwed compared to a zone running back who can basically have multiple options. You know, Nick Chubb, if you that's why like when you look at Nick Chubb at at, at Cleveland is such a good example, is that they ran zone. Um but they ran it out of pistol where they cut off half the field pre-snap so that Chubb had to make whatever creative adjustments against penetration with only half of the line. He didn't have the full spectrum of either side of the line to do that with when he was working side saddle from Baker Mayfield. It wasn't as, he didn't have as a wide range of choices, which is why this offense in Cleveland is going to be better just from the fact that they're sticking Mayfield's ass under center and giving Chubb basically two ways to go early on in case they're, the line does fail him. When it comes to gap plays, it's kind of similar. You only have really one direction because if you cut back on a gap play, your ass is grass most of the time. There's some guys who can do it, but it's like it's it's rare that you're going to look for the cutback. The most of the time you're going to make the most with what you got, which is why in the gap running game you want fast guys um, or guys who are really who are big and are willing to drop their pads and run your butt over. Now the thing is, people will say, "Well, I didn't like how Fournette's been running lately because it just seems like that's been kind of missing from his game." I think Greg Cosell even talked about that, and I think there's some an understandable way. You know, this may be, seem narrative to you, but I think it's common sense to me from someone who watches a lot of this stuff. If you get hit in the face with the door like ten times in a game, you know, basically, you're gonna you're not going to keep you know lowering your pads into it with the same level of vigor that you would if you're the one dishing out the punishment first because there's more room for you to run. So I think you'll see him get back to the swing of things in this offense. Um, 
So, you know, it's an interesting split from a fantasy perspective, and and I'll 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 hand it over to Dwayne because I'm curious to see what his what his thoughts are on these players and, and what his numbers are. But I can see where Jones starts the season as the starter. Um, you're going to see, you know, McCoy probably play um, some of in the passing game and used as a draw player. Fournette's going to be the change of pace guy, but I think that he's the guy with the most potential to be the second half starter in this team. Um, whereas Ronald Jones, you only, it's basically, you know, it's his job to lose, but Fournette's in a place where maybe he's a little overdrafted for my taste, but, um, but at the same time, you're kind of seeing him as that he only has more to gain from the situation. So that's my thoughts on the running game, Dwayne. What do you have to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jones will start out, you know, like you said, the season, you know, just because Fournette just got here, right? You know, here's my biggest issue with Ronald Jones. You know, I, I do think he made some, and this is, a, this is coming from somebody that drafted him, you know, on a dynasty team. You know, so it's not like Ronald Jones is somebody that I've just never liked. Uh, okay. But I also know um, when, you know, I've kind of had enough. And so what, here's the thing for me with Ronald Jones. Yes, Peyton Barber's a nice player, but you were a high second round pick. And last year, 36% of the snaps are Ronald Jones, 30% to Peyton Barber, 32% to Agan Bawale, right? And then if you look at rushing attempts, 42% to Jones, 38% to Peyton Barber. I mean, so like to me, I mean, he could never he could never beat out Peyton Barber truly. It was always a share. How in the world is he gonna hold off Leonard Fournette? I just don't see it. You know, I mean, inside the five last year, Ronald Jones got 15% of the team attempts. Peyton Barber got 37%. Oh, by the way, Agan Bawale. They trusted him actually more than they did even Ronald Jones, 26%. So when I look at that, I'm like, okay, you're basically, they split the carries between the two of you. You couldn't earn the inside of the five work. Your coach watches your practice every day and he didn't want your ass on the field. And that's a problem, right? Routes per drop back, only 24%. So he's only on the field running a route 24% of the time the team passed. 31% to Agan Bawale, 16% to Peyton Barber. So, Dar uh, you know, Agan Bawale was still, you know, the preferred guy, you know, in the passing game as well. So essentially what you have, you know, and Ronald Jones, they said, look, Ronald, we're going to let you have the ball between the 20s. But if we're ever really in a critical spot in the game, inside the five, we're in a true passing situation, you're not going to be on the field. If it's third down and long, you're not on the field. I mean, so to me, I, I look at the bigger picture. I look at, you know, the year before, he never could get anything going. I mean, to say that, the, say that his first year was a disappointment would be an understatement, right? He barely got on the field at all. Um, you know, and then last year, as much as I may respect Peyton Barber's game, I mean, the team wanted him, you know, they're like, hey, take the job. Yes. You know, Arians came out and said, look, we love Peyton Barber, but Arians loves everybody, right? If anybody's learned anything, just don't listen to Bruce Arians when it comes to, you know, I mean, if you ask him, he's going to tell you, oh, every player is going to have a big role in this offense. Um, but but that's my biggest thing, Matt. It's just like, okay, because I go back to things I hear you talk about. I, I hear other, I hear coaches talk about, 
there are reasons they don't put these players on the field in certain situations. And it's because they see what they do every week in practice. All we get to see are the games. And it's very clear to me that he didn't trust Ronald Jones. And then I feel like what he tried to do, whereas last year he tried to say, look, we're going to kind of put you behind Peyton Barber and see how you respond to that. I think what Bruce Arians was trying to do, this can totally be narrative street. I'm going to go Sigmund Bloom on you for a minute. But this year it's kind of like, okay, let's, let's flip it. Let's see how he does. Ronald's our guy. Ronald's our guy. Let's see how he does. Okay. First week of camp. We got to, can we get LaShawn McCoy in here? Um, Cause I think I'm a little worried. Oh, Leonard Fournette's available. Uh, Absolutely. Let's get him in here. So my thought is they've tried to do it both ways. They've tried to motivate him by, Hey, step your game up and take this backfield over. And then it was basically, Hey, it's all yours. And my gut says that he, he wasn't performing up to expectation and practice and training camp. Um, and so they, because if he was Matt, I know everybody will say, oh, well, it's just because it's Fournette. Well, anybody could have gotten Fournette. And if they truly thought Ronald Jones was ready to just to, to really be the dude, I don't think they'd go get Fournette. Why? Because they just told him he's the dude, and if all of a sudden it's working, why bring in Fournette to challenge him? What I think is they told him he's the dude. It wasn't looking good. Brady probably had issues, right? And then you bring in Fournette. So that's where I'm at. I just don't trust it. Um, I you know, I didn't trust it before, you know, even when it was all the hype um, was around it before Fournette was there. I was still scared. I was like, okay, great. Look, take him in the sixth round of a fantasy draft if you want. I get it. They're saying he's the lead back. There's not really anybody else there that just completely scares you. I see the upside. I see the value in him being a six-round pick. Um, and I got it. Now, I wasn't drafting him that often. I had him one time. I've got 21 teams that I've drafted. I own Ronald Jones one time. Um, and now, obviously, you can say over the last eight drafts I've done, Fournette's been there, so you can't really count those. But before that, you know, I had done 13 drafts, and I owned Ronald Jones one time. So I just thought there were still better options in the sixth. I was just building my teams to not have to worry about taking it back in the sixth round for the most part. But th- that's kind of where I sit, Matt. So, I mean, I do agree that Jones, you know, will get to start the year because Fournette's going to have to learn. You know, running backs typically can get up to speed a little bit quicker, a lot quicker than receivers can. So he's got that going for him. But my one thing I would say that would give Ronald Jones a chance, Matt, is probably week one. If Fournette is inactive for some reason, or if Fournette, you know, truly is, hey, we're just going to give you 10, 15 snaps, maybe get you six, seven carries, maybe give you one of the carries inside the five, let you let you punch one in for us. That My guess is if they have a very specific role for Fournette, it could be something like that week one. But I think that's the one chance for Ronald Jones. If he comes out and he could blow up in week one and shut all the Dwayne McFarlands of the world up, give us all the bird, double birds, I'm fine with double birds, my dynasty team will be happy and I'll be happy for Ronald Jones. I just don't see it happening, but I think that's what he needs to do. He has got to come out and he's got to claim it like in week one or two and to have any chance of holding Fournette off, you know, in this backfield. Yeah. And it's an interesting perspective because I think what you're mentioning is probably dead on in terms of what happened, even though here's the argument that I could make the counter one for, to this. Okay. The counter one I would say is that, Ronald Jones ran well in camp. Reports were that he was breaking tackles, he was making good decisions. It was the pass catching that was an issue. Then when you look at the rest of the depth chart, well, Peyton Barber's gone. So you don't have a second running back to to go with if Jones falters or if he just gets hurt. 
And then on top of that, you bring in LaShawn McCoy. And while, you know, guys like, you know, Jay Moyer and I will look at, at, at LaShawn McCoy and go, God, we love the decision-making he can still have right here. He's not a guy that any team feels comfortable about him holding up. Because if they did, I think they would have kept LaShawn McCoy in Kansas City. I mean, Andy Reid knows him better than anybody. And and he had an opportunity there. And it, they were like, nah, no thanks. So I think McCoy really was brought in there to basically be a mentor. I mean, McCoy said it himself. Before he got signed, during the days before when he's obviously negotiating through his agent to get on the team, and they're probably finalizing the possibility of a deal, like two days before, the, the media asked him, well, what what are you looking for? And he basically said what his pitch was to the to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which was, I'm hoping to be a presence in the running back room to provide leadership, and I still feel like I can play for a contending team and help them out in ways, you know, in terms of, you know, whatever role I can do in terms of helping them out in terms of, you know, the passing game, in terms of, you know, pass protection, things like that. So I think they brought him in, but they knew that if... Jones gets hurt. Who did they have? Darion Ogunbowale, who didn't even average like three yards per carry, I think. Like he was like, he's a draw play expert. He's got great burst. He needs a compass in terms of where to find the crease when it's not a draw play or an open field play. Terrific receiver, but they cut him. You know, they they were planning on, you know, I mean, now that may have to do with Fournette coming in. But I think they, it has more to do with McCoy just because I think yeah. McCoy they like in the passing game. Um, and then they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, which we haven't even talked about, right? Yeah. They expected Keyshawn Vaughn to be their Peyton Barber. So, I mean, you could have a point that, that Vaughn maybe is the one that is disappointed, right? And yeah. maybe that caused them to bring in Fournette. But when I look at that, it's like, really? I mean, it feels a little bit like overkill, you know, but to here's, me. Yeah, it does. But here's the point, Dwayne, is that because running backs don't matter, you know, all these <laughs> running backs who actually did matter on some level enough that they could actually um, negotiate a contract with somewhat of a straight face, at least in their minds and believe, but maybe to the pundits of, like us who, who look at it from a, from a broader perspective and say, good luck with that, Melvin Gordon. Good luck with that, um, you, you know, Le'Veon Bell. Good luck with that, you know, pretty much every running back who's, who's not quite an elite player or a just a good but not great running back. Well, Leonard Fournette belongs in that conversation as a guy who's a solid starting running back. If you if you're not looking if you're looking at the tape and not just looking at how he graded relative to other running backs. And so with that and with that in mind, I mean, Fournette is a guy that yeah, they could they could bring him in and give him an incentive laden deal, which they did. And still he's getting the potential to like through a, I guess, basically a grievance to get his old deal with the Jaguars and get some of that too. So there's some, there's some interesting things at play here. So when I look at Jones, the running wasn't a problem. Now I I think that Leonard Fournette is, I'm not going to argue with anybody that Leonard Fournette can be a better runner than Ronald Jones and maybe is already um, in terms of what they do well, which is the gap play. But I mean, Chris Johnson. If we had to compare the two to this point in their careers, I think we would, as much as people make crap on Fournette, I think we have to say that Fournette's shown more than Ronald Jones by far. I think he has, but I will say this, is that, you know, Ronald Jones showed enough last year 
that I do as a runner that, you know, we got to remember David Johnson, people went gaga over David Johnson out of Northern Iowa. People were, people were angry that David Johnson was taking a backseat to Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson, who ran for over 2,000 yards in a season with the Tennessee Titans, but they saw was a broken down player. And I mean, to the point that I was at the Senior Bowl one year with Jen Welter eating dinner with a bunch of people, including Jen Welter, who was the um, an intern um, coach with the linebackers for the Arizona Cardinals under Arians. She's a former running back. She's the first woman to play tackle football with men in a league as a running back. Like, she understands the position fairly well, I would say. And of course, you know, she had and she had some radio guys mansplaining to her that Chris Johnson was not as good as David Johnson and that it was crazy um, that they were allowing David Johnson, putting David Johnson on the bench that first year. And so both of us were arguing that y'all don't know what you're talking about because... Well, for one, you realize she's like she was hired as a coach for that team and knows more better than all of us what's going on in that room. But I would suffice to argue, I bet, you know, please back me up, but Chris Johnson understands the scheme a little bit better. And as a result of that, no they know they can trust him on assignments. They know they can trust him with certain things. And it was David Johnson's first year let him be kind of a mentor and teacher of what needs to happen and slow roll David Johnson into that opportunity. And she says, that's exactly what that was all about. Now, you know, when you look at Peyton Barber, it's kind of the same thing because that first year was so bad. That first year was so bad that if they didn't just get rid of him, because it was bad enough that they could have just gotten rid of him. Like it was like, Hakeem Butler bad in the way that like Butler was bad in the preseason and then you know he got hurt and then he hasn't done anything since and they cut him you know this past year well Jones was was worse in the sense that he did so poorly on the field but it's clear that they gave him a mulligan so they looked at last year really in my mind as a rookie year and as a result of that they were like now that you actually know where you're supposed to go somewhat and know what you're supposed to do and you're not completely lost out there Peyton Barber being in the mix actually gives you a chance to kind of see what's going on and at least we know you understand what he's doing now as opposed to last year which you probably didn't understand anything you know the way you were playing so that would be the argument that I would make if you were going to support you know, the idea that Ronald Jones is going to be the lead back, Leonard Fournette's going to be the insurance policy and change of pace guy who can be massively awesome in terms of, well, maybe not massively awesome, but very good um, if Jones falters or gets hurt. And McCoy is just essentially a guy that maybe they felt like they get some redundancy in terms of running the ball, like he's Dari Ogunbowale plus because he actually can run the football and knows what he's doing from that perspective. But I see your I see your situation complete, completely in the way that you explain it, and I think that that's probably the safe way to go, um, for sure. Um, so, and, and I still have this projected as a committee, even with Fournette. I think being better than Jones. I just 
you know, I mean, we had a committee here last year and I mean, you can look historically at Arians. He's willing to run a committee. He doesn't, he's not the kind of coach that has to have, you know, a guy. I think he's willing to commit to a guy if they step up and just run with it, you know? Um, so, I mean, I've got Fournette at 45% of the carries. I've got Jones at 35%. I've got McCoy at 15%, you know, so I've got all three guys working in. I've got Fournette at 194 carries 775 yards, but I've got him at eight and a half touchdowns. Ronald Jones, I've got at 151 carries, 603 yards, and four touchdowns. McCoy, I've got at 65 carries. I've got him at 258 yards rushing, and I've got him at one rushing touchdown. I've got McCoy, though, a little more involved in the passing game. I've got him with 8% of the targets for, uh, so that's 50 targets, 37 receptions, 279 yards, and two touchdowns receiving. Then I've got Fournette and Jones not very involved at all in the passing game. I've got four. And again, this goes back to also, this isn't about them. This is, there's all these other weapons. Like you don't even really have to throw to these guys, right. you know? Um, so, and I think that's why McCoy is going to be on the field, like on third and longs, things like that. Because then if you want to open up, you know, to all the different types of routes, you may want a running back to run, you know, on some of these longer down and distances, McCoy's the guy, right. That's going to be able to do those things. Um, and that's the thing that really, you know, Arians has raved about in camp around McCoy as he's talked about, you know, his ability, you know, as a back catching the ball. And so I've got Fournette at 5%. I've got Ronald Jones at 3% of targets. So that's 31 targets, 23 receptions, 174 yards, and one receiving touchdown for Fournette. That's 19 targets, 14 receptions, 100 yards, and one receiving touchdown for Ronald Jones. So, I mean, I, I've still got it. Like I said, as a committee, I don't think any one of these guys is just going to run away with all of it. You know, I think you're going to see all three guys, you know, worked into the mix. Um, and you could see some weeks where I think, you know, it, it could be a hot hand thing. The guy that's a little hotter gets more carries than the other. You know, I think that's totally possible too. I think, you know, they could end up neck and neck 40% and 40% instead of 45, 35. Um, but if I were to have to, if you like put a gun to my head and said, Dwayne, wager right now, who has the better shot of ending the season as the leading rusher on the Bucks, Fournette or, or, or Ronald Jones? I would no doubt say Leonard Fournette. I would not trust Ronald Jones with a gun to my head. See, there you go. So this is fun because Dwayne gives you the laid out example here, and I'm going to give you my numbers, and you're going to see that I'm rolling with Ronald in this particular case um, a little bit more than Fournette. I have Ronald Jones at 222 attempts for 940 yards, 4.23 yards per attempt, and five touchdowns. I have met, and though McCoy, what they talk about in terms of what they admire, what he does, they also got some drops out of him and were frustrated with him in camp. Um, and I also think they talked about that what they want to see is, you know, they before Fournette came into the mix, they were going to say. We're going to give Jones and McCoy each a chance on third downs and passing downs to do their thing. Um, and we'll see who plays the best out of that early in the season. Let me say one thing there, Matt. So here's my thought on that. Here's why I disagree. They kept McCoy, right? Why would you cut Ogunbowale, who is a good receiver out of the backfield, if you don't think you know McCoy can take that role when Ogunbowale, right? Can all he also plays on your special teams? Now, fantasy players don't care about that, but coaches do. So while he may have struggled with drops, they saw something, you know, about him that they think he can contribute that they were willing 
to give away a special teams player that was also a good receiving back. And so, I mean, it's just hard for me to think that that's going to be, you know, Jones. I well, mean, I, I just don't. That's, that's, so. that's very possible. But also, too, they also like what Justin Watson and Scott Miller bring to special teams. And they also had some, you know, and they decide to keep some extra receivers in that mix, too, with Jadon Mickens, who's a good special teamer. Um, so maybe it's very possible they felt like that they were able to get a little bit more special teams out of other players. So Ogan Bowale was probably expendable because even though he's a good receiver, he was so one-dimensional that if you're going to play in this offense and the whole idea of third and long with Tampa Bay, I, I this year I don't think we're going to see as many third and longs in Tampa Bay this year as what we may have seen in yesteryears because I – Tom Brady's not a one-step-forward, three-step-back type of guy like Jameis Winston can often be. So there might be things with that. But it's again, it's worthwhile conversation. I have I have Jones actually being the, the leading receiver out of the backfield. And so I have him at 46 targets, 37 catches, 311 yards, and a touchdown. Um, now, is that is that probably one that I would recommend to everyone in terms of like, from a fantasy perspective, no, I think you probably want to go closer with Dwayne in that particular scenario. I think it's probably the smarter play, but that's where I have him. Um, I have Leonard Fournette at 40 targets, 27 receptions, 193 yards, and a touchdown. He's not a bad receiver at all. Um, I think he'll be on the field a fair bit when they throw the ball, and I think that's part of it too, is that when you're multiple, like Brady wants to go and you're going to have so much variation, you don't want to tip off what you're doing. And so if you have a back who can actually run the ball, who can also catch, all the better. And so, yes, McCoy could possibly be that guy, but why would they bring it? If they brought in McCoy to be that guy, why would they bring in Fournette? So it's, and especially with Keyshawn Vaughn gone too. So you could kind of look at it multiple ways. I have Fournette at 120 attempts, 516 yards for five touchdowns. And then the, then the, 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 the numbers that Dwayne has for McCoy or for um, Jones, I kind of have for McCoy in the receiving game. I've met 19 targets, 13 receptions, 100 yards, and and no touchdowns. Um, and then I have him at 48 for, or 198 yards rushing and a touchdown on the ground. Um, so you can see we're pretty different. And I'd say we're uh, this is about as different as we got with any team about any unit, I think, um, this year. So it's going to be a fun well, one. Hey, it, it's it's natural that it's this one. This, this is what has, like, I would say if there's any topic, right. That has like the fantasy community, the most divided, like this preseason has been Ronald Jones. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and it's funny because like, I'm not a Ronald Jones lover like you. I have been one dynasty startup league and it was only because he was available at a point where it was like, sure, I'll take him here as my, as my second or third running back. Um, and probably slated as my third running back over the next couple of years because I'm counting on A.J. Dillon next year to be be that guy as my number two. But, you know, otherwise, I haven't drafted him anywhere, but I did watch his tape enough to feel, like, justified in terms of what he could be and what he, what he was last year. Um, and so we just have two different ways of looking at the narratives. Both could be right. Um, well, one only one can be right, but... Both are viable in terms of in, right at this point of what we know. So with that in mind, we have the New Orleans Saints. And uh, we're going to come up with that in a moment here. And uh, 
talk about them. So stay tuned for that podcast. Um, but thanks again for listening to this one. You can find Dwayne McFarlane, um, you know, at the Fantasy Football Hustle, at Pro Football Focus. You can find him, of course, at Establish the Run. Um, and you can find him here every week, you know, when we've, we've been doing these projections um, and during the series. You can check those out at Matt Waldman's RSPcast on iTunes. Of course, there's Fighting Chance Fantasy Football, um, you know, and then that podcast, which is an excellent podcast with Brian Drake. And what else were you going to say there, my friend? Oh, I was going to say for, for folks that love the utilization report stuff, um, I'm working on, you know, several upgrades to that with Pro Football Focus based on all of this additional data. So I've been... Um, working with that team over this weekend to kind of go back and forth on the requirements. And there's really going to be some awesome new stuff in the utilization report. I think people are going to be, they're going to be pretty freaking excited about the kind of information they're going to be able to get out of this. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. So, um, you know, that's nice that they're actually going to leverage you in a way that, um, that, that uh, a group should. And I'd say that that's, you know, congratulations to you for finding a good fit for an organization that's willing to do that because I'm sure it's going to yield great results. And of course, you know, you, you can find the, the rookie scouting portfolio you haven't drafted yet or you're in a dynasty situation and you're kind of cramming for, you know, to draft. Not many better places you can go to Matt, than mattwaldman.com to download that rookie scouting portfolio, um, $21.95. Um, there's still a few months worth of newsletters um, coming up after that, that, and you can catch up with uh, you know that kind of information. And uh, thanks again for listening, folks. And we will be back with the New Orleans Saints um, with that next episode. <laughs>